kind of in a way, you know, up there, so <laughs> don't want to be focused on that. So, yeah, so I was initially, uh, Dr. Yusuf asked me to preach the 1030, and then and Jonathan was like, hey, you, you know, you mind preaching the uh, 9 o'clock service? And somebody came alongside to me, and they said, yeah, so you're, I heard you're preaching the 9 and the 1030, so that's great you get to warm up with the 9 so you can, you know, give your best at the 1030. I said, I think you have it backwards. I said, I'm going to give my best to the 9 and give the 1030 the leftovers. So um, I hope that pays, uh, pays off today. But nonetheless, if you don't know who I am, I'm Jeff Falkowski, and I, I serve in the area of young families and also the area of discipleship here today. And so uh, I just wanted to introduce, introduce myself to you and just delighted to be able to share God's word with you. We're going to be looking at a passage. I'm actually reading out of the NIV today because I did prepare uh, in the NIV. You have the ESV with the, in the Pew Bibles in front of you. They're, they're pretty similar enough to where you're not going to get lost. And uh, if something goes up in the screens, it might be a little different. Don't, don't worry. They're both very good translations. This is the NIV 1984 version, which is uh, much better than the most recent NIV, in my opinion. All right. With all that being said, if you have a Bible, turn to Matthew chapter 11. We're going to be looking at verse 25 through 30. Again, we're going to look at Matthew chapter 11, verse 25 and 30. Let's open our ears so that we might hear the word of the Lord. At that time, Jesus said, I praise you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, because you've hidden these things from the wise and the learned and revealed them to little children. Yes, Father, for this was your good pleasure. All things have been committed to me by my Father. No one knows the Son except the Father, and no one knows the Father except the Son, and those to whom the Son chooses to reveal him. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart. And you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. If you're human, you've experienced broken promises. Maybe you've had a, a promise to get a raise, or you've had a promise for a hopeful future, and your hopes were dashed. And we've also broken promises. You might be saying to yourself, well, no, I, I, I haven't really. I, I try my best to keep my promise, and we all do. We all should as followers of Jesus Christ, but inevitably we're going to fall short and disappoint people. I can tell you right now, I made a promise to my wife on my wedding day. I said, I, will, I, I promise to love and to cherish you till death do us part. And there are days and moments and even seasons where I have not loved her well. And I have not cherished her as I ought to have. I've fallen short of my promise. And the reason why I bring this up is because Jesus in this passage is making an incredible promise to us. An incredible promise to us. And we as human beings, because we understand the frailty of humanity, oftentimes project our human relationships onto God. And so we struggle to take his promise and believe his promise. But I'm thankful that the scripture in the book of Numbers says that God is not a man that he should lie or the son of man that he should change his mind. And I've walked with God for 
over 30 years now. And I can tell you there have been times when I've been confused and there have been times where I haven't understood and there's been times when I've been frustrated and there's been times when I wanted to give up. But I can tell you this, that God has always been faithful. He's always been true. and He's always been kind. He's always been gentle. He's always been patient. And it's often my own perception that has caused most of the struggle. And I want to let you know something. If you don't remember a thing I say today, I want you to know one thing. Christ is for you, for the forgiveness of sins, through faith, and it's all gift, and it's all him. So three things I want to talk about this promise today. In verse 25 and 26, I want to talk about that God is the one who reveals this unbreakable promise to us. When I get to verse 27, I want to talk to you that G, about how Jesus is the one who has the authority to give us this unbreakable promise. And then finally, the last thing I want to talk about is that we have the blessing of receiving the unbreakable promise. So I want you to, I want you to take a moment here and think about this for a minute. Because Jesus starts off this passage with, this, with a prayer. Look at verse 25 and 26. He says, I praise you, Father. At that time, he said, I praise you, Father, Lord in heaven and earth. So he starts off and he praises God. And we have to ask the question, at what time is he praising God? And, and why is he praising God? And interesting enough, it's amazing to, to me that he starts praising God because actually in verses 20 through 24 in the book of Matthew, and if we also can read the parallel passage in the book of Luke, we learn that the disciples and Jesus have just finished up their Galilean ministry. And at the end of it, the results are pretty meager. In fact, uh, major towns and villages reject the gospel. They reject the good news. They reject the kingdom of God. They reject his miracles. And here's Jesus literally sitting there saying, I praise you, Father. Imagine that for a moment. I mean, I was in support-based ministry when I was in college. I was an intern at uh, the best possible campus ministry. It was called, I want you to listen to this closely, Bulldog Christian Fellowship, right? Okay. And I had to raise my support for that. And one of the things I did is I, I did a lot of evangelism. I did cold call evangelism. I literally walked up to people at the Tate Student Center and I asked them about their relationship with Christ. And after a month or so, you know, I mean, it was not an easy thing to do, but some people did come to the Lord. I, I mean, I couldn't imagine writing my supporters after, after a month worth of ministry and saying, uh, nobody prayed to receive Christ this month, right? Oh, I praise you, God, that nobody's listening to the gospel message, right? I mean, you're not going to say that, but, but here's Jesus. How can he praise God in the midst of opposition? And this is a huge takeaway for us, isn't it? I want you to listen to this. He can praise God because he says this to his father, you are the Lord of the heaven and the earth. And what is he saying by that? He, he's, he's saying, God, you're in control. You're sovereign, right? You're the one that determines the results of our ministry. You're the one who is the one who reveals these things to people. And it's a powerful message for us because I remember when I was growing up in the, in the 90s, I became a Christian in 1991, and the general climate of the culture there was seemingly, from my perspective, pretty open to the gospel. Our, our culture was, was pretty warm towards the Christian church. 
You, you might even remember back in the day, you know, even Al and Tipper Gore were fighting against the uh, explicit lyrics that were going into music, and they, they fought for labels to be put on music. Anybody remember when that was going on? I, you have to be, that's 80s, by the way. Some of you guys going, going, I don't know what you're talking about. But the point I'm, uh, but the, the, and now we're living in a time where, where things are becoming hostile. And I think the rest of the world is saying, well, welcome to the club, US of, US of A. But we can still, listen to me, we can still praise God in the midst of struggle and turmoil, in the midst of a hostile time, in the midst of a a space and time where we're finding ourselves not as popular as we used to be. Amen? Why? Because he's the Lord. He's sovereign. He's the king. And and here's the thing, and here's what, what Jesus is trying to teach us about these things. These things that they're rejecting are him, the gospel message of forgiveness of sins through Christ alone, right? The Son of Man has the authority to forgive sins. And, and, and the kingdom of God. He's inviting them to escape the religious institutions of their world, to escape the political institutions of their world, to escape all the institutions that are failing them. And he invites them to participate them in the kingdom of God. And the kingdom of God, the scripture says, is righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. And let me just tell you something, folks. No matter what our political situation is, no matter what is going on in our world, our economy, wars, and rumors of war, we can still have peace in the kingdom of God. Amen? So, so I want to encourage you today to remember that God is the sovereign one. He is the one who reveals these things. God's unbreakable promise seems to impact those people who have hearts like what? Like little children, right? He said, I praise you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, for you have done what? You've hidden these things from the wise and the learned, and you revealed them to the little children. Yes, Father, for this is your good pleasure. What is it about children? What is it about children that that Jesus is, is talking about here? What Jesus is talking about is that they have trusting and teachable hearts, right? Let all the children come unto me. Do not, do not hinder them, for the kingdom of heaven is such as such as these. And they literally came to him, and they were so eager for ha- to have him place their hand upon him because they trusted him. You know, I'll never, I'll never forget one thing I used to do with my children when they were little is I would put them on top of the, on the kitchen counter. And some of you dads might have done this as well. I would put them on top of the kitchen counter, and I'd say, okay, come on and jump to daddy. And it was amazing because they would like take off and jump, right? And I had to teach them like, you know, because I, I remember one time I turned around and literally, and Lauren, I didn't know you were going to be here, but it was you. Um, <laughs> Lauren, I turned around and Lauren went to jump. And fortunately, I caught her out of the back of my eye there and I was able to catch her. She didn't splat, okay? And I had to look at Lauren and say, Lauren, you have to make sure daddy is watching, <laughs> When you, when you jump, there, there's, a, there's a childlike faith and trust, right? And, and, and friends, I, I want to just in, encourage you. We can become so wise and learned in all of our, in all of our knowing. You, do you remember like the, the people who opposed Jesus? He never accused them that they didn't know the scriptures and that they weren't, I'm, I'm sorry, he never accused them. He did accuse them for not knowing their scriptures and, and the power of God. He never accused them for their diligent study of the scriptures. Right, John 5, 39 and 40, he makes a statement, an incredible statement to them. He says, you diligently study the scriptures. Can you imagine Jesus coming up to you and saying, hey, Paul, you, you really are a diligent student of the scriptures. I'd be like, hey, 
yes, Lord, I sure am, right? <laughs> I mean, you know? And, but he, he mentions something that's really amazing right after that. Uh, you think that by these scriptures you have eternal life. You mean the scripture doesn't bring eternal life? No. He says, these scriptures testify about me. Yet you refuse to come to me to have eternal life. See, when we study the scripture, it's not to gain knowledge. It's to know Jesus. It's not to become a Bible scholar. It's to fall in love with the person, the ministry, and the work of Jesus Christ. And I know so many people that know the scripture so well, and we can become so haughty, and I can remember becoming one of those people that got so haughty at the, at the study of scripture. I can remember going to church when I was in seminary and going, is he a Calvinist or Arminian? Does he, believe, does he follow Pelagius or is he uh, you know, Augustinian? Is he Luther or Erasmus? You know, uh, is he a Baptist or a Presbyterian? Does he a credo, is he a credo-baptism believer or is he a paedo-baptism believer? I mean, is this right exegesis or wrong exegesis? This is eisegesis. And the critical spirit that welled up in me caused me not to see Jesus. And let me encourage you, when you come to listen to a preacher, yes, by all means, let's, let's make sure they're speaking truth, but are they preaching Christ and Him crucified? Right? And that's the most important thing. And so, you know what? My challenge and encouragement to us today is to come to that place where we're looking for Christ because He calls us first and foremost to Himself. It's, it's God's good pleasure. It's God's gracious will to show us our great need for our Savior. Amen? I love the law. I do love the law, but the purpose of the law is not to beat us down to the point where we never can get up. The purpose of the law is to show us our great need for a Savior. So when somebody preaches law, you better hope they have the gospel, the comfort of the gospel, because the law is meant to do primarily one and two things for us. It's meant to show us that we're sinners, and it's also meant, the Bible says, to increase the trespass. Why? So that we know we cannot uphold the burden of the law, that we need a Savior who's fulfilled the law on our behalf, and that we can rest in the finished work of Christ. We can find that Sabbath rest that we all so desperately desire, and we know that in Him, the righteous requirements of the law, according to Romans 8 and 4, have been fully met. And he reveals this to the little children. What's, what's the original sin of Adam and Eve? The original sin of Adam and Eve was like, hey, God, we got this. We can do it ourselves. I can do it myself. You ever hear that from your kids? <laughs> and you know they can't? <laughs> you see, that's what the law shows us. We can't do it ourselves. And that we need Jesus. Praise the Lord. For thus says the Holy One, who is high and lifted up, who inhabits eternity, whose name is holy. I dwell in a high and holy place. Listen to what it also says. And also with him who is of a contrite and lowly spirit to revive the spirit of the lowly and to revive the heart of the contrite. You see, God will hide things from people that are too smart for their britches, but boy, he loves to reveal things to those people who say, Lord, I need you. Do you need the Lord today? Are you hungry and thirsty for his righteousness, not your own? He promises that if that is the case, you will.
be satisfied. For God opposes the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. The second thing I want to look at is, is verse 27. Jesus is the one who gives the authority, has the authority to make the unbreakable promise in verse 27. Listen to what he says. All things have been committed to me by my Father. No one knows the Son except the Father, and no one knows the Father except the Son, and those to whom the Son chooses to reveal him. Friends, how many people know this? A promise is only as good as the one who makes the promise and has the ability to back it up, right? So Jesus is about to make a promise to us to give us rest. And if Jesus can't back up his promise, then his promise is worthless. I can promise to give you a million dollars, but I don't have a million dollars in my bank account, right? So my promise to give you a million dollars is not worth a whole lot. Understand that? Jesus is making, Matthew is making an incredible claim about Jesus to his Jewish audience, right? right? He's making this claim because when he says in this passage of Scripture that all things have been committed unto me by my Father, he is basically making a claim that he is equal with his Father. Why? Because he calls himself the Son. He doesn't call himself a Son. He says he is the son, right? No one knows the son except the father. And you might go, well, how is that a claim to deity? Well, in John chapter 15, 5 verse 18, he's, the religious leaders wanted to kill Jesus. You want to know why? Because he called God his father, making himself to be equal with God. And here's what Matthew is telling his Jewish audience. Matthew is written to a Hebrew audience primarily. We know this because the genealogies are about the Messiah. And furthermore, uh, much of it is written to a Hebrew mindset. And there's a lot of prophecies that would be only understood by the Jews at the time. So he's writing to this Hebrew audience. You can imagine this first century church. And they're wondering, you know, my grandparents and my, and my parents, they rejected this stuff. And what, what, so how could he be the Messiah? And he goes on to let them know that God is working out his sovereign purposes even with those people who reject the gospel and now he's going on to say and Jesus has the same authority as God he is the true son of God and now he goes on to make a statement that only the son knows the father and the son father knows the son what's he saying there he's saying and this word in the Greek is, is very intense it's, an, it's called an intensive and you can look it up in the B-A-G-D lexicon which I did and it literally means this. It doesn't mean just to know somebody relationally. It means to literally come to that space where you know somebody through and through. Jesus is saying, I know the Father through and through. It's like somebody who's been married for 70 years, and they say, I know my wife. And the wife says, I know my husband. For better or for worse, right? <laughs> And it, Jesus is, is literally, how, how could a 30-something-year-old rabbi say that they know God the Father so intimately and so perfectly? He is making a claim to his deity, to his preexistence. He is saying that only the Father and the Son really know each other. They're the only ones that are truly intimate. And now he's saying, and I have the authority to reveal the truth I have the same authority that the Father has to reveal. The Father reveals the Son, and the Son reveals the Father. Friends, this is important to grasp here. You see, you and I can't figure this out. You and I didn't figure out that Jesus was the Son of God, 
Did you know that? If it was dependent upon me if, to figure it out, then he couldn't be God. Because my finite mind, how can it wrap around the infinite God? How can finitude approach infinitude? Does that make sense? The, 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 the infinite must break into the finite. That's, that's just the way it works. And here's the deal, friends. And this should just give us great peace in the world that we live in. Our job is to simply share the good news that Christ died for sinners. And those who believe it by faith receive it as a gift. And of course we give reasons to believe. Of course we do that. But it's up to God to make the light bulb turn on. Right? Pressure's off. See, we have such a lack of joy in sharing our faith because oftentimes because we think it's, it's dependent upon us. And so when we mess up, we think God is, is upset with us. But no, he's never upset with us. And I'll talk about this in just a minute. When we, when we try, when we try to share our faith, don't you remember Peter? Who do men say that I am? And they all start saying, oh, you know what? They say that, you know, you're one of the prophets or something else. You might be John the Baptist coming in. And then what happens after that? It goes on to say, blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for man has not revealed the son to you, but my father who is in heaven. Wow. Pressure's off, folks. Our job is just to tell people about the love of Christ that he died on the cross. Greater love has no man than this, that he lays down his life for his friends. God demonstrates his love for us in this, that while we were sinners, Christ died for us. What a truth that is. What good news that is to a lost and weary and dying world. The last thing I want to talk about today is that we have the blessing of believing and receiving this unbreakable promise. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I might, if you're lucky, give you rest. Right? No, this is an incredible invitation, isn't it? It's an invitation. And this is a very, uh, this is a very unique call because Jesus is not calling you in the, at first to follow after him. Did you notice that? He's calling you to him. In this passage of scripture, yes, there's other times when he says, follow me. But in this passage, he's saying, come to me. It's a unique invitation that he gives everyone. And it seems that the people that respond to that, the the ones that he elects and calls, are those people who are weary and burdened, not prideful and arrogant. But he will give you rest. Sometimes I wonder, you know, I, I, I remember, you know, when I was a, a younger Christian and I, I got saved at 21. I was in a fraternity and after about three months of knowing the Lord, we had a social with the Zeta sorority at UGA. And there was a girl there that I went to high school with and I walked up to her and I, I said, um, I became a Christian. She goes, yeah, I heard. I said, Okay. And, uh, and, and I started talking about the Lord and being set free from sin and the joy of following him. And she looked at me, she goes, no, no, how long have you been saved for now? And I said, oh, I've been walking with the Lord maybe, you know, three months. She looked at me, she goes, it will wear off. You know what the sad thing is? She was right. You want to know why? 
So you see, because all of a sudden I started going to church. Nothing wrong going to church. I love the church. But I was taught, you better have a quiet time. You better read the Bible at least two to three times a day. You better be sharing your faith. You better be giving. You better be coming to church every time the doors open. And my faith became about what I did. And I never could do enough. I couldn't give enough. I couldn't share my faith enough. I couldn't fast enough. I couldn't pray enough. I couldn't do enough. I created a whole law for myself. I got it out backwards, right? It was not, it's not about what I do for Jesus that motivates me in this life because I'll be crushed under the weight of the little L law that I create for myself. It's about what he's done for me. He's laid down his life for me, right? What's the work that God requires according to John chapter six? Do you remember that story? It's a powerful story. The, the, Jesus breaks up the, 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 the um, fishes and the loaves and he multiplies and they feed the multitude and they follow after him. They say, Lord, uh, how do we get this food? And he's like, hey, guys, uh, we're not here for a dog and pony show. We're, we're not doing bread wine in a circus. That's going to come in a few hundred years in Rome. But in America, um, sorry, that was a joke. Um, uh, not a funny one either. Um, but with that being said, um, Jesus says to them, don't work for food that spoils, but work for food that endures unto eternal life. And I will make you earn it. No, he says, I will give it to you. And they said, what's the work that God requires? To believe in the one he sent, which he gives to us. We need to learn to rest in that. He says, my yoke is easy. My burden is light. How can Jesus say that? He says, because I am meek and lowly in heart. I love what the Peshitta says, the Syriac Peshittus translates this verse like this. He says, come to me and I will rest you for I am restful and you will find rest for yourselves. Wow. Do you understand that? Jesus is the radiance of God's glory. He's the exact representation of his being. And after he made sacrifice for sins, he sat down at the right hand of the father in majesty. That's what Hebrews 1 and 3 says. In other words, Jesus said, when you see me, you see the Father. And this is what he says about himself. I am gentle and lowly in heart. In other words, when you come to me, I can't help but give you rest because I am meek and lowly. I am gentle. I am kindly. Have you ever been around people that just stir it up and make you anxious? Jesus is not anxious and angry, right? He's fulfilled the for righteous requirements of God's law, God's wrath was, was poured out upon him. And in Christ, we are in that space of peace with God, in him. Even when our hearts condemn us, <laughs> we're still in Christ. There now is therefore no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. For the law, the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has set us free from the law of sin and death. You see, these Original hearers would have heard when he said, take my yoke upon me. They understood that what the rabbis taught was take the yoke of the law on you. Take that yoke and try to carry it. And we've got a bunch of rules around that that, that, that you make sure you won't break God's law. And Jesus says, take my yoke. 
Don't take their yoke upon you. Take my yoke. I'm gentle. I'm humble. Let me give you an example that I think illustrates this from my own life. In 11th grade, I was in honors math. And I was, I was just failing miserably. Horribly. And we had a tutoring, um, a tutoring program at our school. And I went to the tutoring program. And another teacher was there. And he was a tutor. And he began to try to teach me math. And he was like a coach. And I was try- he would show me how to do it, and then I would try to do it, and he would say, I could just tell he was getting irritated and angry. He's like, why, why can't you figure this out? I just showed you how to do it. Let me show you one more time. And he'd show me again, and I'd fail again. And I remember him saying, Falkowski, come on. No. I won't tell you what exactly what he said. <laughs> it's not good to say in church. And I remember I got so in my mandula ambulagata, I became, would freeze every time he got around me, right? Working on the problem. I couldn't do the work. Some of you understand what I'm talking about. And I'd fail every time. The burden of, 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 of standing under his yoke was unbearable. So I went to my teacher, Mrs. Hallberg, and I said, Mrs. Hallberg, I can't do this anymore. I can't do this math anymore. I can't do it. I'm mad at math. And she says, I don't think you're bad at math. Let me help you. She goes, when's your study hall? And I said, seventh period. And she said, okay, I'll, I'll make arrangements so I can meet you during your study hall. Think about this. She probably had to leave her class to do this. So she probably found somebody else to step in and help her. So she would meet me during my study hall, and she said, okay, let's work through the problem together. And I wouldn't get it. And she said, well, let's try it a different way. And I wouldn't get it. And she said, you know, I, I, I must be teaching you wrong. Let's, let's, let's try it another way. And I start getting it. She goes, oh, you're, you're, you're getting better. Well, why don't you go home and work on these problems? Sometimes I'd come back and I wouldn't have worked on them at all. And you'd think she had said, well, I'm, not, I'm wasting my time with you. And she said, you must have had a busy week last week. I know you kids are social and you have jobs and stuff. And math's probably not your favorite subject. Let's try to work through these problems together. Let's, let's work on the first one together. Do you see the difference? She was kindly. She was gentle. And I found myself, as I, I, I put myself under her yoke, thriving. Knowing that she wasn't hard of heart, but she was kind and wanted me to succeed. I want to let you know something. Jesus Christ is not hard of heart. He is kindly, and he wants you to succeed, and he'll be patient with you, even when you're not patient with yourself. Our God is good. He fulfilled the righteous requirements of the law for us. Pressure's off. Now we can freely love him and our neighbor. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, receive that word in Jesus' name. Amen.